0: Alan Watts once said that the new game is just a highbrow refined version of the old game. He likened it unto a child trying to get a candy bar. I'll make the same comparison here. See, I'm titling this Narcissism, The Real Pandemic. Because I truly believe that narcissism is the real pandemic, and I'll lay out what I mean. But first, I want to I want to explain this point so that we have a a substrate on which to build this argument from. So, when you were a kid, you know, you probably there's something you probably wanted more than anything. You know, it's like the like the Christmas story. You know, the Red Rider BB gun. So every kid had something that they desperately wanted. Alan Watts used the uh, the term or the position of a, a kid wanting a candy bar. But, I mean, whatever your candy bar is, doesn't matter. You know, you wanted something as a kid, and you could probably even think of that thing right now. The thing is, and what people don't realize, is that that never really changes. In fact, some kids... Uh, they will go about the pursuit of that thing that they want so bad in different ways, you know? And this is where your your values play in. But I want to preference something right here and say that, yes, values determine your outcome, but how you apply those values ultimately matters. So, I mean, you can have all the great values in the world, you come from a from a very very moral Christian family. You can come from you know very humble means, and, you know, and be very empathetic and all that. But if you do not apply it to your life, it means nothing. You have all the good great intentions in the world, you know, and and you know hell is paved with good intentions. There are lots of people out here doing stuff with good intentions in mind, but inwardly. Or through their actions, do perverse shit. So let me just get back to what I was talking about. So let's just use the candy bar, but you know, but whatever your candy bar is, you know, what have you? How how do you see see it? You know, uh, some kids will will work towards the candy bar if they can't get it right away. So let's just say you know the little kid wants the candy bar, and they want it more than anything. And, you know, mom says no, dad says no. And so the kid, you know, different ways that you can react to not getting what you want. To not getting the candy bar. Uh, It could be, you know, throwing a temper tantrum. You know, the extreme, you know, would be a a child that decides to steal the candy bar. Or a child that decides to lie. You know, let's say your mom says that, uh, well, if you clean your room. And the kid half ass cleans their room on purpose or doesn't clean it at all. Comes back and lies and says, to, hey, mama, clean my room. And the mother, you know, trustingly doesn't check. And then the child gets the candy bar. And then later on, she checks, finds out that the kid didn't clean their room, you know. And and now she has to deal with a, a child that has dabbled in deceit. You know, the the game never changes. It's all wretch and no vomit. The game never changes. And so... There's, I mean, there's different. There's different ways to go about this, you know. Some kids, the really, really good ones, they'll work their way towards it. Like, what do I have to do to get that candy bar? I'll mow a couple of yards. I'll clean my room. I'll do whatever I have to do, within reason, to get that candy bar. You know, some would say that that's a good kid, a kid with solid morals, and. You see this play out for that child in life because that child, when they go about getting their candy bar that way, and they realize that that things can be earned, they'll apply that to other aspects of their life, and so they'll work their way towards, you know, positions, you know, uh, and hierarchies in their job. They'll, you know, uh, work towards building strong relationships with other people. You know, game never changes; it just evolves. It just gets co-opted into other aspects of your life. But the game never changes. You know, some people they 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 want to uh find the easy way to, to get what they want. You know. This goes back to who they were as children, all the way to who they are now. But this is about narcissism. So first we'll we'll dabble into the uh To the definition, and I can't tell you how many people I hear using the word narcissism whilst displaying narcissist behavior. So for Shits and Giggles, we're going to go through the uh, the definition, you know, narcissism. The excessive interest in or admiration of oneself and one's physical appearance, similar to vanity, self-love, which is so big right now. Everyone's talking about self-love. Self-admiration, self-adulation, self-absorption, self-obsession, conceit, -conceit, self-conceit, self-centeredness, self-regard, egotism, egoism, egocentricity, egomania, and, you know, the opposite of these. I love, I love the opposite. The opposite of this word is modesty and defidence. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> like, if you didn't shudder a little bit at that word modesty, some of you ladies in particular, you know, if you didn't feel a little bit convicted at that word right there, then you 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 don't get it. And you might be a narcissist. The psychology of it is uh, selfishness involving a sense of entitlement, a lack of empathy. Ooh, uh, that's a stinger word right there. Empathy is something... All but dead in this world, and a need for admiration, a need for admiration, as characterizing a personality type. Let's see the psycho uh, psychoanalysis of it: uh, self-centeredness arising from failure to distinguish the self from external objects, either in very young babies, which is how I started this off, talking about children and the hunt for a candy bar. Or is a feature of a mental disorder. So let's talk about the mental disorder. Now, before I you know read read this this next part, because I'm I'm reading this off of a a, a website called uh, mayoclinic.org. Mayo clinic very well known, reputable place. Um talking about NPD, the narcissistic personality disorder. Now, I will say this. And many, many um, uh, therapists and most uh, clinical practitioners of the, you know, the the social sense, you know, people who, who deal with, uh, with uh, counseling, you know, people in different forms will tell you that, that most of them believe that narcissism or someone that suffers from NPD is incurable. It just... It's it's a it's a matter of of want to. The only way that someone with narcissistic tendencies and behaviors is gonna stop is when they want to. Period. No different than a than a than a heroin addict or any or any or anything such like that. But let's just look at MPD real quick. Narcissistic personality disorder, one of several types of personality disorders, is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance. A deep need for excessive attention and admiration, troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. But behind this mask of extreme confidence lies a fragile self-esteem that's vulnerable to the slightest criticism. So, I want to I wanna highlight the part of vulnerable to the slightest criticism. See, the, the interesting thing about narcissists is that it's the minute that you criticize their behavior, they will in turn call you the narcissist. See how that works? It's funny. It's like a child when uh, you don't give them what they, they, they want so bad, even if it's something that's bad for them. Like, you know, Lily does this shit to me all the time, where... Uh, She'll ask for candy knowing damn well, or something sweet, knowing damn well that she hasn't had any real food for a hot minute. And so she'll, she'll go for the sweet thing first. She's got to get that goody. She's got to get that sweet. Got to get that treat. She doesn't care about the food. It's my responsibility to make sure that that happens whether she wants to or not. But of course, me in doing so, I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad daddy. I'm mean. Or, you know, in in the grown up sense, I'm the narcissist. See, there's something that I learned over the years when being able to tell the difference between genuine people and non genuine people is if I could see a child doing what you're doing, you know what I'm saying? It's a very very intelligent way to approach relationships and and problems with other people. Is when you see something that someone is doing or saying, and you can see a child saying or doing such a thing, you're 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 dabbling in, in in a, in narcissistic behavior. So, is this something to to bear in mind whenever you're you're you know checking out your behaviors? whenever you're trying to, you know, rein your ego in, it's important to to make this, you know, this this differentiation. It's important to be able to tell the difference between a selfish act and an unselfish act. Empathy and modesty aren't just words. They're important. They're important points of view. Which is something that's lacking in this world. This is the reason why, you know, it's so easy to see people coming up with snap judgments about other people and other things and situations and ideas. Because it comes from a place of narcissism. It comes from a place of, for some reason, I disagree with that because it offends me. Why does it matter that you're offended? Why does it matter what you think at all? See, the thing about, most things is that they're, they're formed about, formed through opinion, you know. I could make many examples of this, but I'm not going to get into it because it would take too long, but I will just give a few examples. See, you could do it with anything. In order to, to make an opinion about something, you have to be of a position of authority to make said opinion. It's like me saying that the Bible is the word of God. Now, theologians say that it is. Pastors say that it is. Lots of Christians say that it is. And they even believe that it is. But it's my opinion that they aren't lying. It's my opinion that the Bible is lying. It's my opinion. It's the same thing as if, if the President of the United States says that he loves all black people. It's his opinion. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. And you would have to, to know the inner workings of his mind to know that it's true. It's like someone telling that they love you. Sure, they, they say that they do, but do their actions bear that out? See what I'm saying? The game never changes. Really, doesn't. And we see this more and more in our society, where narcissistic behavior, the me, 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 you know, if you, if you don't have it, there's something wrong with you. Mentality is just, it's just an all-consuming idea in our world right now. To where I honestly believe and see. A lot of people dying alone. See, narcissism is the core root and reason for all of that, or at least I believe that to be so. Because, think about it: older generations came together with, you know, community, and there was a sense of community, even in the black community, and in, in most communities, you know, evolved in the past. You know, that was what what kept us strong. Was our sense of community and our duty to each other? You know, where where a village would raise a child. It's not like that anymore. It's not like that anymore because a lot of people have selfish notions and narcissistic ideas of what you know the truth of most things are. Have these weird ideas uh, on on what fairness is. These strange ideas on 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 what's right and what's wrong. That are rooted in narcissistic beliefs. That I'm always right. Or that my, my motives are more important than anyone else's. Ugh, I gotta take this hoodie off. This thing is hot. But back to what I was saying. It's sad. It's sad that so many don't see it. But it's because mainstream media... Hollywood industry, the, the the social media is always promoting these ideas of self care and self actualization, and you know the all this all this you know the selfish nonsense that we hear on a regular basis. You know, it's it's destroying women. It really is. You know, the the whole feminist movement has been co opted and changed. To this, you know, anti-male rhetoric, and and women grabbing life by the balls, and and you know, it's okay if you if you sleep around. If you sleeping around is you getting getting your power back. you stand. Men men have done it for, forever. So, just because everyone agrees on something, doesn't mean that it's right. Especially when the people who are coming up with these ideas for things are narcissists. And we listen to narcissists all the time. Some of our favorite personalities that we listen to and follow and, 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 and shoot, in some cases, worship. I mean, I'm talking about guys who, who worship football. You know, narcissists are Look at me. Look what I have done. Sound and fury, ultimately meaning nothing. We do it all the time. We love that shit. As Americans, and, and most of this stuff is, 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 is highly American. I will say that. I mean, because you go to places like Japan where it's socially unacceptable to be loud and boisterous. And, and stick out, you know that that old Japanese saying you just heard it in the movies, you know the nail that sticks out gets hammered. It's because in in Japan and a lot of places in the Orient, the uh, the the idea of respect respecting others and empathy is important. It's in the sauce. It's it's how those people live day to day lives because in the Warring States era they learned. See the thing the thing that stops you know these these narcissistic beliefs is is contrary beliefs and see the contrary beliefs to narcissistic beliefs aren't one off aren't opinion based there are things that have stood that, that have withstood the test of time like thou shalt not kill or or uh, or Being, uh, you know, like the Bible uh, verse, you know, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. These things are true. They they hold up to the test of time. You know, stealing is wrong. Or that that, that killing someone for the sake of killing is wrong. You know, these these things, you, you can't change them because they will always have validity. They will always be true. You can't do that with 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 narcissistic ideas; they don't hold up. I'll give you an example. See, you'll have you'll have this weird situation in relationships where you will hear people talk about relationships like like they're about to get a puppy. So frustrating to me. Whenever I hear that, you know, like I can't wait to get I can't wait to get a boyfriend. That cherishes me and listens to me and does this to me and me and this this for me and gets this for me and does this for me and buys this for me and takes me this place and, yeah. I'm sure you've heard it, heard it shit tons of times. No guys do the same thing. Like oh man, I wait We find a girl that's gonna cook for me and you know just take care of me and love me and you know we can go do stuff and, yeah. People do that with animals, with pets. It pisses me off when people do it with pets because the same thing. It's like I said, the game never changes. What, what do child children do that, right? Like, Daddy, I want a puppy. I want a puppy so bad. Lily's the same way. It's like I want. She wants a dog so bad she could spit. And <laughs> and when I asked her, I was like, Are you gonna take it out for walks? I have to do that. Yeah, like damn near every day. I take them out for walks, and she said, "Well, we can just get a we can just get a cage, we can just get a kennel for them. And me, I'm, I this is the reason why I hate the zoo. I anyone who knows me knows I fucking hate the zoo. I hate the zoo probably more than anyone you'll ever meet, because it breaks my heart seeing wolves and tigers and bears and fierce, powerful, amazing creatures in cages. It angers the hell out of me just so that we could look at them. Narcissistic behavior on a grand scale. Like what happened to, to to all the shamus across the world. It's narcissistic behavior. Because I can, I will. And anyone who speaks against it is the bad guy. Doesn't matter if they're right. It means nothing to me. You know. I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm being perceived as the bad perceived as a bad guy right now. I'm just saying what I'm saying about relationships, but people do it all the time. I'll just preference it with with a puppy. See anyone who's ever raised dogs or or, or bred dogs knows that when you get a litter of puppies, no two dogs are alike. None. There's some more aggressive than others. There's some more passive than others. There's some that are goofy. There's there's always that weird one. That you're like, the fuck is wrong with this one? This one's this one's jacked. You know, like there there's all <laughs> there's there's all kinds and a litter of puppies. I actually learned this the hard way with probably one of the best dogs that I ever had. Her name was Zuna. I named her Asuna, but but we all called her Zuna, and she was a blue healer mix. She was blue here mixed with a german shepherd she was a gorgeous dog she looked like a fox that was, that was my little fox baby i used to call my fox puppy and uh, she loved she was the most loving dog that you could ever have and me in my f- foolish youth i wanted her to be a dog that defended the house you know i wanted her to be an attack dog and i and you know i, I love military dogs and uh, my my uh my grandpa marty had a blue healer that was a beast that dog was a beast rip your dog on throw it out just a command i think he had it, it trained with uh with different languages as its commands and that dog would sit by his side and wouldn't move until he told it to and when it did it was gone in a flash it fast. Zuna was the same way. She was ridiculously fast. I've I've always loved blue heelers. They're amazing dogs. Very, very smart. Highly intelligent. And um uh, I used to we used to put her in a kennel when we lived in an apartment complex and she always found a way out. Those dogs are escape artists. I mean she was a genius dog. And I tried to train her. I trained her for for combat. I trained her to, to defend the house and to defend Lily, which she did. I have to give her that. You know when it came to the kids you know, she, anybody, came anywhere near Lily. And Lily was around two when Zuna was a puppy. And so they grew up together, pretty much. And they're the same person. They really are. <laughs> really are. Zuna was goofy and silly. She was the weirdest dog. And I tried my best to train her for, uh, for self-defense and, f- you know, for her own self-defense and defense against people. Because when we got her, she was very, very afraid. Of people we we got her at a uh, a flea market. There was these farmers in East Texas that were losing their farm because of you know economic crisis and years ago and uh she was in this this cage next to i think a a, a duck and a goat and they and they all were covered in mud and they, all three of them they were covered in mud and they just looked, just looked horrible. I think there was a rabbit in there too. They just, they just looked horrible. It looked like they had, they had been through a war. <laughs> and Zuna, she, I mean, she had, you know, mud matted onto her. We had to cut out. I mean, it was, it was bad. She was just one sad-looking puppy. And I took one look at her when uh, my ex-wife brought her home, and I just, I just almost started to cry because that was just the saddest little puppy I'd ever seen. And I made it my mission to make her strong, and to make her fearless. But the thing was is that that wasn't Zuna's heart. That wasn't who she was. Zuna was a loving dog. She only just wanted to be loved. She didn't want to learn how to fight. She didn't want to learn how to how to, you know, scale obstacles. She didn't want to learn combat. She didn't. And there was one day in particular <clears throat> where we used to do this this training exercise. It was one that helped me with my reflexes and it was another one which, Zuna's half the reason why my reflexes are as good as they are. Anyone who knows me knows this. I have insanely fast reflexes. I'm known for catching things in midair and stopping stuff you know, with my hands all the time. It's because of Zuna. Because Zuna and I, we had a game. Then in the beginning, she kind of loved to play because she loved the attention. But, um there was this one day in particular where I pushed it too far. It was a game where the goal was for her to land a bite on me. And Zuna would always, you know, and and I did this without pads or gloves or any safety equipment whatsoever. Which is dumb, of course. But Zuna was such a smart dog that even when she did manage to land a, you know, a bite and get my arm or, or, or foot in her mouth, she would only apply the slightest of pressure. There was, you know, it'd be a few times where I would get her a little mad, and she would press down a little bit harder the more. She wouldn't break the skin, but I could feel the power in her bite. My wrist would hurt, or hand, or whatever, for you know a couple of days, and then and then we go back at it. But I always praised her for it. And uh, she didn't care for those games. She really didn't. And there would be there was a a good while where she just kind of pulled back and was like, no, I just I just want to play with the kids. I was like, no, come on, it's training time. It's time for us to train. I need your help, so get over here. And there was this one day in particular where she was, she was really, her her heart wasn't in it. She didn't want to do it. She wanted to go play with the kids. And she loved playing with the kids because they would just love and hug on her. And she would just soak all of that up. She loved it. She was a loving dog. That was who she was. And me and my ignorance, I didn't care that she was a loving dog. I wanted her to be an attack dog. I wanted her to defend the house. Didn't want her to be a house dog. I wanted her to be a defender of the house dog. And one day I almost paid for it because we were playing this game where she had to land a bite. And all of my training, which I have to say I was proud at the moment, paid off because Zuna, she got, I, I there was this one day I was in rare form. I She couldn't get me to save her life. And we were just, in the living room of you know of, of our apartment, which was a massive, it was like a two story apartment, and uh, we were in here on the bottom floor while everyone was upstairs doing whatever. And we were going around in circles. I mean, she's chasing me from one room to another, trying to get that bite. And she, because she knew it was what I wanted. And she tried and tried and tried. And I kept spinning her around and sweeping the front legs. She would fall and roll over. And she was getting, starting to huff and starting to puff. Now, right then, I knew I should have stopped. But I didn't. I I wanted to see how far the training had went. And then Zuna did something that I had never seen her do before. She grunted and half growled, glaring at me. And then, I don't know, her primal wolf mode or something took over. And she started to zigzag really, really fast in front of me, coming towards me at a very high rate of speed. Then, when I was trying to figure out what she was trying to do, she got right in front of me pretty much damn near between my legs, turned her neck, turned her head like sideways, you know, and literally came up my body and almost got my throat. And 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 I, at the last second, shoved her head out of the way and she missed. And then she realized what she had almost did. And you could see the, the confusion in her head. She's like, I almost killed my master. I almost really hurt him. Because it was a serious bite. She was going for the kill shot. It was like, like going at it with a wolf. like. And she was small and fast. And if it had been anybody else, they would have been dead. Real shit. <laughs> and there was a slight moment of fear. And then she just... But then I got really, really sad. Because Zuna wasn't acting herself at this point. She was huffing and puffing and... Moving her head in weird directions, like she was confused and upset by what had just happened. And so all I could say was "Good girl," and I rubbed her on her head and I said, "You did good, you did good." I, I went too far. I'm sorry. And then uh, she she licked me and I patted her on the back and I never trained her like that ever again. And yeah, she got a little bit lazy, but she was always a fierce dog to me and and. When my uh, my ex-wife took her and uh, her uh, her current boyfriend got to uh, have her in the house, he told me, he's uh, I don't know what you did to that dog, but that is the most protective and, and that is a great dog. You raised a really great dog. Mizuna was always a great dog. That's the thing. She was always a great dog. I did nothing. If anything, I just gave her more teeth. But she was always a great dog. And so... I said that story to say this, people do this with relationships all the time. It's the reason why a lot of you are going to be single and die alone. It's, it sounds fucked up to say, but it's true. Because you have all of these inflated ideas of what you think a relationship is or what you want. And you hear women saying it all the time. It's like, I want a man with six figures and he has to be tall and he has to be this and he has to be that. And you hear guys say, oh man, she got to have fat ass. She's got to look right. she gotta, she got to carry herself well. She's got she to do. Why can't they just be? That's my question. Why can't we accept people for who they are? Why can't we judge people on what they do instead of, instead of what we think that they're doing? It's because we're all, in one way or another, in some shape or form, dabbling in narcissistic behavior. Because it's the, it's the, it's the meal of the day. It's the flavor of the month. And it's become so socially acceptable to be a narcissist. That's the reason why you see it so damn much. Let me ask you, what's the difference between a man not wanting a woman based off of, let's say, her looks, than a woman not not wanting a man based off of his economic status or his height? Not much difference. You could try to argue and say that there is, but there isn't. Another perfectly good example is is we, we see people that say that they want a relationship when really what they want are the benefits that come with a relationship, but they don't want to do any of the work. They don't want to have to cook for their partner or take care of their partner when they're sick or be there for them when they're trying to build a business, you know, or, or, and put them put their ego aside, you, you don't see a whole lot of empathy going on. See when you have empathy means that you can you can empathize with other people's positions and where other people are coming from, people's backgrounds, their history. You can put yourself in their shoes. You can see the pain. You can feel the pain that they they might have experienced through their stories. That's what empathy does. A narcissist doesn't give a damn about any of that. They want A, B, and in many cases, they don't care how they get it. And the minute that you say anything negative about it, you're the bad guy. The minute that you shoot holes in their foolish arguments, you're the narcissist, not them. It doesn't matter if you're right. It doesn't matter if you can make examples to how you're right. You're still the bad guy. You stopped me from getting my candy bar. You stopped me from pursuing my truth. There's no such thing as your truth. There's just the truth. See, people like to like to say foolishly that the, the truth is, is subjective. It's not. It's not subjective. It is. Truth just is. Because truth, it stands the test of time. Lying is wrong. That's true. Sure, you can lie in certain situations and spare someone's feelings... But ultimately, that person still got lied to. Ultimately, that person still doesn't know what's really going on. And you are the harbinger of that lie. And therefore, you are in the wrong. It doesn't matter why you do it. You're still wrong. Honor thy father and thy mother, for it is right. That was a Bible verse that used to give me a lot of trouble because I always felt that my, my parents, particularly my mom, didn't do right by me. I have many reasons to believe this, many examples to pull from. But then I actually understood, not because I studied you know, in, in the Greek and all that stuff like that, You know the Greek interpretations of words. You know I'll, I'll say this, which is kind of interesting. Did you know that joyful actually translates to play? Actually pretty cool. Yeah. But anyways, make a joyful noise, make a playful noise. I don't know. It's it, I just had to say that it's pretty interesting. But um when I noticed that or when I when I would believe that that my mother didn't do right by me, I would I would still remember that Bible verse. And then years later I actually understood it. See, when you honor someone you know, you're supposed to honor your wives. When you honor someone, you won't allow them to do something that would dishonor themselves as well. So when you when you when you honor yourself or when you honor your family, or any of those things, it's rooted in respect and empathy. So let's just say if your father is naked. And drunk on the side of the road, you don't ridicule him. You clothe him and you get his ass in the house, and you sober him up, and you stay with him. That's what honoring means. So if you if you're even if it means that they might hate you, that's what that's what that's the what we'll honoring someone. Honoring something means is that even if it even if you become the enemy and showing respect and love towards that thing, you do it anyway. See, a lot of people don't know what it's like to do things for the greatest good. We do what's prudent, we do what we want in the moment. You know, the, the old Alistair Crowley, do as thou wilt doctrine. And what I have to ask you is, how has that been working out for you? Be honest with yourself. How has doing what you want, when you want, how you want, whether it's right or wrong, how is it working out for you? See, the thing about narcissism is that it makes that saying so true, you know, that hell is paved with good intentions. Because the people who display these narcissistic tendencies and behaviors, they are not inherently bad people. And in many cases, the things that they want are the same things that we all want. It's just how they're going about getting them. And the fact that they will not tolerate dissent of any kind. See, if we're honest with ourselves, we all dabble in narcissistic behavior in one way, shape, or form at some point in our lives. We all do. We all have. If you were ever a baby, one point in time, you were a narcissist. You only cared about yourself. So for me, that's the truest test of someone's maturity. How easy it is for them to put themselves aside for the greatest good in any situation. I had to realize, you know, I'm single now. And I had to realize that I had issues in relationships because the reason why I wanted a relationship is because I wanted a woman to love me because I felt that my mother didn't love me and so I was willing to accept any kind of, of female attention it didn't matter how bad or how pathological it was it was attention you yeah. no different than a child that that will will take you know any kind of uh, of uh, of attention whether it's good or bad if they're not getting any at all, so they will do bad stuff, you know, to get attention, because any attention is better than no attention at all. See, that 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 narcissistic idea, it's very, very prevalent today. A lot of people have gotten to the point where any attention is better than no attention at all. You know, there used to be a time when we used to go outside. Some of the greatest memories that I have are memories of me playing dirt clod wars with the kids across the street when I lived on Bon Air Street in South Dallas. It was one time I actually got hit in the eye. <laughs> it's a crazy story for another time. But <clears throat> my mother was pissed, but that was the most fun that I had had in a long time, playing with my friends, doing something dangerous. Something that was bigger than me. It's just a whole bunch of young guys playing dirt clod war. And it was a rush. I can can remember the feeling even now of how much of a rush and how fun it was. Those were good times. Me and my siblings used to run outside and, and play out in the back and create our own stories and make up our own games. Because the beautiful thing about games is that you play them for the game's sake. We would just make up rules as we went along. It's old school stuff. And the cool thing about those games is that everybody got to participate. I remember the times when there used to be a, when a, you know living in apartments. You know, this is this is a a a I guess us lower income people, you know, or lower income people fun. The, the the rich kids didn't necessarily know know a whole lot about this because their types of fun wasn't necessarily our types of fun. But for us uh, for us low income poverty kids, you know, a whole bunch of kids at the swimming pool, at the local swimming pool was a like gas, man. That was just like most fun ever. All kinds of stuff going on. We were little kids. Watching the girls show up. All the guys trying to drown each other. (laughs) Sounds vulgar and barbaric, but... Man, those were good times. Nobody was there was out there for me. And you know the funny thing about it is? You know what kid would ruin the fun for everybody? The little SJW whiners. There was always one. We'd sit there and we'd be having a good time. Everybody's having a blast. Girls and guys are playing chicken fight. And you were a king if you could get a girl to play chicken fight with you against other people. I mean, like, you were like a king among the guys because it's like you had a girl sitting on your shoulders, which is something that every young boy wanted. You know, at least we did at that point in time. You know, you you were the shit. (laughs) And if you were tall, like I always was. You kind of had to pick of the litter because all the girls wanted to be able to get on the tall guy's shoulders and be able to play chicken fight. You can't play chicken fight with the short dude. You got to get in the shallow end. <laughs> no one wants to play chicken fight in the shallow end. It's only fun in the deep end because there's risk involved. You know? But there would always be that one kid start to whining and start to crying and going and getting mom because they're not having fun. A pool full of kids having fun but they're not having fun so it's time to call it a day. And then that same kid would be shocked when everybody at the pool would leave and even hate that kid the next day. Nobody likes a narcissist. Not really. It's just now we've, we've made allowances for them. Now it's socially acceptable. Now you'll get praise, especially if you're a girl. If you're, if you're a woman, you'll get praised for narcissistic behavior all day long. By by you know, it, it's that, that lack of self esteem. You know? That's the reason why you'll see guys doing it too, where they will they will congratulate these girls and their shit behavior. Because they have low self esteem. And all they want to hear is, oh thank you. Thank you for thank you for that. Oh my god, thank you. And so everybody involved gets their little dopamine hit. It's just like handing out candy bars. People rotting their teeth. You know, all to no vomit. The game never changes. So <clears throat> If you're wondering, am I a narcissist, You know, ask yourself this, are you always trying to one-up people? Is that something that you catch yourself doing all the time? Always trying to one-up yourself, always trying to one-up other people in conversations and things? Are you always concerned with what someone else is doing, how they're living their life, the things that they have? And you kiss that envious vein every now and then. The wise person will will go, you know, I do do that. I am always trying to one-up people. How do I stop doing that? It's pretty easy. Develop modesty. Develop empathy. Make, Make gratitude your mantra. It's a start but more importantly like the puppy you know reference understand that other people come from different points of view every person's life experience is a different point of view and when you say that another person is lesser than than you or that their positions or their ideas or their experiences are irrelevant you're a fool because all of these things, all of these experiences, add more tools to your toolkit of life. That's the reason why it's foolish, and I would say even crazy to to not want all of the all of the information that can be given to you at any one time. Saying that that you won't, you know, that you won't. Uh, break bread with this person or that person because they're this different and that different is is self-destructive which is something that narcissist people, narcissistic minded people uh, uh, experience all the time it's self-destructive behavior it's their, it's their main bread and butter it's self-destructive behavior pathological behavior and they see nothing wrong with it. But if you see something wrong with it, then there might be hope for you. But, uh, that's all I really had to say about that. I I find it sad to see narcissism constantly ruling the day. And so many lives. And even some of the lives of my friends. And, i've I've talked some people off that ledge over the years, and it's an accomplishment that i I feel only comes to comes easy to me because I always grew up with so little and i and I started out with low self-esteem and I had to fight I had to fight my inner demons and I had to fight the ones that weren't me you know to to gain confidence you know and it's made it's made being empathetic to other people's plight so easy because when you're when you're uh, when you're dealing with with pain with your own pain any sort of pain it's easier to, to to see experience and feel someone else's because you know you want the same things for the pain to stop the thing about narcissism is that it, it, it alleviates that pain by focusing on things that, that don't matter you know like, i'll be happy if i just find a man with with six figures and 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 the, and the Lambo and the yacht if you're not happy now, you won't be happy with the Lambo and the yacht. You can say that all you want to. The statistics on this stuff is clear. People, you can you can look it up. People, when they get to certain dollar figures, you know, and stuff, where where by all accounts they have everything that they need and don't need nothing else. The statistics don't say that they're happier. If anything, the opposite is true. Because happiness is found within oneself and in the pursuit of meaning. And when you pursue things that aren't meaningful, like the pursuit of the candy bar, when you get it and the dopamine hit is gone, you don't even want the damn thing anymore. Happens with Animals, and people leaving dogs and cats on the side of the road at the first sign of trouble because the animal didn't behave or do what they wanted them to do when they had all these ideas or well, I'm going to get this dog and I'm going to teach you how to jump and I'm going to teach you how to do this and roll over. And What if the dog, what if that isn't in that dog's temperament whatsoever? What if that dog just wants to lick your face, sit at your feet by a fire while you sip whiskey? What if that's what that dog wants to do? Some of you would say, well, fuck that dog. I'm going to leave him on the side of the road and and go about my business and get a dog that does what I want. Mm. Sounds fucked up, doesn't it? But people do it all the time. And they do it with people. They do it with their children. They do it with friends. They drop them at the first sign of difficulty, at the first sign of pushback. And it's an epidemic of that going on right now. Sad in Texas, when that freeze happened, I saw something that I had never seen before. I live in a little town called Albert, and in this little town that had lost power for i think like seventy eight hours, I saw an entire town invite people in, complete strangers, take care of strangers. They took care of my roommate in this one little town while everywhere else. That I saw in Texas, people were losing their shits and driving like maniacs, and and being disrespectful to other people, and and buying out grocery stores. The people of the town took care of the people in the town, invited people over for meals, you know, shared their firewood at no cost. No one charged anyone a dime, and the ones who did, which were like one or two people, got publicly shamed for it. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Made me cry. Imagine if our entire nation was like that. That when shit went sideways, we put our differences aside. And we helped each other and showed empathy. What if we did that all the time? What if that became a national mantra of the United States that we put our BS aside And became empathetic and modest and cared for the the individual like we care for ourselves. Be a beautiful world. It would change, I think, for the better. And not for the worse. And 37 years, 38 now, I'm so sick and tired of things changing for the worse. Because people can't put their damn self aside for the greatest good.